0: Good morning. How are we doing this morning? That's pretty weak. How are we doing this morning? That's, that's better. All right. It's been a couple of weeks since we were in Philippians, and so let me let me bring us up to speed on where we are. If you remember, we finished chapter one last time. As we finished chapter one, uh, we looked at the fact that Paul said basically, live a life worthy of the gospel. He told us that he wanted us to strive together side by side for the faith of the gospel. And then he told us that there's going to be opposition. And when opposition comes from the outside, that we're not to let it deter us in anything that it's not to be a problem no matter what, that we're to keep pressing forward, that it has been granted to us not only to believe for the sake of Christ, but also to suffer for the sake of Christ. So outside opposition coming against us, and Paul is telling us to strive forward for the faith of the gospel side by side in unity against outside oppression. So then you shift to chapter 2. And in chapter 2, what he's going to talk to us today in the first four verses, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up, Philippians chapter 2, first four verses, verses 1 through 4, that's where we're going to be. He shifts gears a little bit, but continues the theme. And so he's not talking about oppression from the outside at this point. He's talking about unity in our midst, unity among us. He's talking about the fact we need to have the same mind. He's talking about the fact we need to have the same purpose. And then he's going to take that from 1 through 4, and he's going to connect it not only to what he just said, because remember, Chapter divisions, verse divisions come later. It's so we can identify it like an address. This is a letter. So the letter flows from unity among the body of Christ against outside forces to unity among the body of Christ against the inside divisions. And sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, those inside divisions of us dividing as Christians against one another create even more heartache and more problems for the gospel to go forth in clarity than the outside opposition we kind of expect lost people to act like lost people. But what we don't expect is when insiders inside the church, those who are part of the family of God, start dividing over trivial matters. So here's what Paul's gonna do. In verse one, he's gonna give us four experiences that we all share in Christ that are the foundation that we're gonna build a unity off of. And then in verse two, he's gonna talk to us about the essence of unity, that main purpose of unity, and then in verse three and four, he's going to give us some examples. He's going to give us some ways that that unity is lived out through humility and through concern for others. And he's going to use the word this mind. So thinking, purpose, attitude, mind should be in our, in our heads as we're reading this. And he's going to connect that in verse five when he says, have this mind, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And he doesn't stop there. Because then he's going to go in 6 through 11 and he's going to tell us about the ultimate example of having this mind, the ultimate example of unity, which is Jesus Christ, who then came and gave up being equal equal with God. He came up the equality with God and humbled himself, becoming a servant, even going to the cross and the death on the cross so that we could be unified and saved. Still fully God, still fully man, and then fully a sacrifice so that one day we all bow down and worship him. Later in the chapter He's going to talk about two servants who have this attitude in Timothy and Epaphroditus as well. And so you kind of get the layout of where it's going. So here's your main idea. So if you were to look at this textually and say, what's the main idea, Paul? Paul would say to you that the main idea there is that as believers, as Christians, we should have unity of purpose, unity of mind, unity of thinking, unity of attitude. We'll get all of that. And then we should have concern for others. So how is it that we're going to have unity of mind and concern for others? Let's keep the main thing, the main thing. So what is the main thing? All right, let's rehearse this. The gospel is the main thing. So I'm going to say, what is the main thing? I want you to come back and tell me the gospel. What's the main thing? The gospel. So what's the main thing to keep in mind in your relationship with others? What's the main thing to keep in mind in your vocation, in your calling, in your occupation? What's the main thing to keep in mind with how you see your life going forward from this point? So serious, when we get sidetracked on things of this earth, material possessions, platforms, pride, selfishness, what I want, my comforts, my pleasure... And the gospel is no longer the main thing. We get in trouble. So my my message to you from a sermon perspective today, we're going to talk about unity. But how do we have that unity? From a sermon perspective, we can only have that unity when we keep the main thing, the main thing. And what's the main thing? All right. Are you ready to read the text? Let me give you the outline first. I've kind of already given it to you. Experiences leading to unity... The essence of unity and expressions of unity. Here's where you're you're going to see this. So here's our text for today. I'm going to read it to you, but let let me show it to you here first. In verse 1, encouragement in Christ, there's one of the expressions, comfort from love to participation of the Spirit, affection and sympathy. There's four shared experiences that we all have in the gospel. We'll break that down. Then number two is the main purpose. Complete my joy then by being of the same mind. How do you complete Paul's joy? Same mind. What does it mean to be of the same mind? Just having the same love, being in full accord, being of one mind, or the CSV actually says they're being of one purpose. And then those shared expressions of unity, nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Look out not only for your own interest, but for the interest of others. So here's the text read to you all together. So, it begins with so, therefore, in some of your translations, connecting it back to 1, 27 through 30, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, here's your one verb clause in this, this one sentence, verses 1 through 4, complete my joy, how do we complete your joy, Paul? By being of the same mind having the same love, being in full accord, being of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And he will continue this. Point number one, experiences leading to unity. So what do we have as shared experiences? we have encouragement in Christ. The word encouragement, it's a fascinating word. It has in there the word courage, but I don't often think of encouragement as giving me courage. But when you study this word and look at it, it used to have that meaning. When you encourage somebody, you actually give them the courage to be able to to stand against whatever's coming, to be able to understand and to live and to move forward. The encouragement then comes in Christ. That encouragement that we have as a shared experience is only for those who are believers in Christ, those who know Christ, those who have been saved by the gospel, those who understand the gospel. So part of our shared common experiences is to have the encouragement that comes in Christ. You also have the comfort that comes from love. Now this is not comfort that comes from love, from me loving you or somebody else loving one another. This is the comfort that comes from Christ loving us because that's the example that we're going to see next. That example that we're going to see flowing through chapter 2 is the fact that Christ loved us. God loved us so much that he sent his own son. Christ loved us so much that he didn't consider equality to be grasped. In humility, he came and died on the cross for my sin and for your sin. So how is it that we're going to be unified? We have a shared experience that Christ has loved us worthless sinners in rebellion against the king and nothing that anybody else can do to me is greater than what I have done to Christ and Christ has loved me anyway. So in this life, you can't harm me any more than I have harmed Christ, but he forgave me. So I'm most like my savior when I love you, despite of whatever you may do to me, when I forgive you, despite whatever may happen. And when I love you and we get a comfort that comes from being known completely, He knows all your faults. He knows all your hidden sins. He knows everything you're going to do. He knows every mistake you're going to have. And Christ loves you anyway. You can't be good enough to get to Christ. You can't be good enough to please Christ. You don't have to be because Christ died on the cross and now we are in him. And that's why that encouragement is encouragement in Christ. Those loaded words. We are united with Christ. And that should encourage you. And that brings unconditional love. This word fellowship or participation in the spirit comes from the word koinonia. It's that word that doesn't occur until acts. It occurs when the spirit comes down and the spirit brings a fellowship. And it's odd that we can have more in common with a fellow believer because of the spirit that lives within us than we can a next door neighbor or somebody who grew up in the same environment. We can go across the world and literally have more in common with a fellow believer because there is participation in the spirit. How is it that we have unity? We have unity because we have shared experiences. We have experienced the encouragement of Christ, the comfort of his love, the fellowship that the spirit living within me brings when that same spirit lives within you and we can celebrate and sing together and rejoice over what Christ has done. You sense this. You see this. Even at Cedarville, you see this. You come from all over the place and you come here. Why? Because we stand for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. You come here to have a biblical worldview in every class. That shared experience of the gospel brings a Fellowship or a participation in the spirit. That should give us unity. Four shared experiences, affection, and mercy, where our heart is disposed, and how those feelings of emotions go out. Jesus had sympathy on us, he had a love towards us, and we should do the same to others. Experiences. We have four of them in common. Then we move to the essence of unity. Verse 2. So if we have any of these things, and these are rhetorical questions, have you been encouraged by Christ? Yes. Have you experienced comfort from his love? Yes. Have you experienced participation in the spirit? Yes. Have you experienced affection and sympathy? Yes. Yes. What are you after, Paul? Well, then complete my joy. Now notice when he says complete my joy here, how does Paul say complete my joy? Let let me phrase it a different way. How would you say this morning, complete my joy? Complete my joy by burning all masks forevermore, right? Anybody out there with me? We'll have a mask-burning party at some point in time, somewhere down the line, and we'll burn them all because we don't like them. Complete my joy by giving me a break from school. Your, Your faculty members are saying amen to that just as much as you are. Complete my joy by ending the semester successfully with good grades. Complete my joy, Paul in mind here, by letting me out of jail. Complete my joy by giving me certainty in the future. Think about what Paul says here because we could be saying the same things. Complete my joy by letting 2020 end. Because you want it over. No more days. Done. 2020 gone. Forgotten. Forevermore. But Paul says, complete my joy. How? By a church that's not even right beside him, having unity among the believers. There's a perspective lesson for us. Not complete my joy by giving me things, by satisfying me, by my purpose. Complete my joy by having unity. Having unity of mind. Mind. He says here, as he talks about this, that we are to be of the same mind. He wants us to have the same common love. And even as we have that same common love, he wants us then to be in full accord and to be of one mind or of one purpose. That's what completes Paul's joy. And when he says be of one purpose, it's not that we are all just alike. We bring all of our different experiences. We bring all of our different loves and passions. And some of you, you don't understand people who are artsy and creative. And some of you don't understand people who are logical and not emotional. And we bring all of these different gifts that God has given us. And it makes up the body of Christ. Some of you are gifted in so many different ways. But you come together and we can have unity because of one thing. We keep the main thing the main thing. If we try to have unity because we all love art and art is it, then there's only going to be a segment of us that will say art is the most important thing. If we try to have unity because math is essential and everybody should love and know math. How many of you out there are out right now because you don't love or know math? All right, all the engineers are mad at you. They're taking your name down. But all the rest of us understand, I'm not good at math, I don't like math, I don't know math, so I married somebody that knows math, and so she can do the math in our household. It's it's a great system. But we can't have unity around math. You name it, any of the different things, wearing mask, if you wear mask, you drink the Kool-Aid. Oh, but if you don't wear masks, then you're, you don't love others and you don't care about anybody else. And you, you just want everybody to die. And that's not Christian. Think about it. So if we try to have unity over how we respond to COVID, it's not going to happen. It is, if there's anything that divides us in this life right now, it's rules about how to respond to COVID. So how do we have unity? Brothers and sisters, it's going to matter a lot more how we treated each other during COVID than what rules we followed in the midst of COVID. We're going to remember how we treated one another far more later on. So, so somebody gives you COVID, how do you treat them? So somebody was careless and they got COVID, how do you treat them? So somebody's not wearing their mask or they are wearing their mask and, and they wear their mask all the time and their mask is always over their nose and then somebody else doesn't wear a mask or is always down below their nose and you're like, I can't believe that person. And you have this negative attitude to that person. And you don't know whether they have asthma or you don't know if they have some underlying condition or you don't know what the deal is. You don't know if they've already had COVID and they think, well, I can't get it again. I don't know that the science has proven that, but they say, I can't get it again. I don't really care. How we treat one another, how we have a unity of purpose for the gospel above everything else is how we have unity on our campus. And when that separates us, we're gonna have a problem. So we have an essence, a common purpose. So let me just take a moment and tell you how this works out for Cedarville. Can I tell you that as an institution, we are not primarily here just for education? Now that sounds really weird. But we are not here just to create great engineers or great pharmacists or great school teachers or great English literature writers or great foreign language speakers or great athletic trainers. We are here for the gospel. Our vision statement is for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. The reason you would come to a place like Cedarville is because in every classroom, the gospel is more important than the discipline. Now we're going to do academic excellence. We're going to train you well. But our purpose above that is the gospel. And that's why in our discipleship programs, it's about the gospel. In residence life, it's about the gospel. In athletics, it's about the gospel. In academics, it's about the gospel. There is a common purpose that we have to maintain as a university and that common purpose is the gospel. And if we lose that common purpose of the gospel, then all we are is another university just like the thousands of universities sitting in the middle of the cornfields in Southwest Ohio and who's going to come to the cornfields of Southwest Ohio just to go to school when you could do that anywhere else? Nobody. We come here because it's the gospel. It's all about the gospel. And that makes the difference. That's what unifies us. That's what gives us a common purpose. That's the essence of our common purpose. This works for churches. It works for your relationships. It works for your vocation. If the gospel's not your essential purpose, you're not gonna have unity. All right, let's move to point number three. Expressions of unity. We see this in verse three and verse four. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. That word conceit only used here in the Greek. That word conceit, one of the definitions of it said said empty pride. I started thinking in my mind about all the empty prideful things I've had in my life. Empty pride. What do we take empty pride over? I got a trophy. I got a trophy because I could kick higher than anybody else at one point in time in life. Does that matter? Not a bit. But there's empty pride in little stupid stuff like that. I can play a video game better than somebody else. Empty pride. My football team is better than your football team. Who cares? Empty pride. Do nothing from selfish ambition, focused on myself or conceit, but in humility, notice the difference here, humility versus selfish ambition. They're contrasted and conceit. That conceitfulness, that pridefulness, that arrogance is not what Christ did when he came to this earth. It's the humility, and the Bible over and over and over again emphasizes humility, and humility goes against everything that the culture looks at and the culture says. Everything in the culture says we should be prideful. If you don't blow your own horn, nobody else is going to. If you don't talk about your own good accomplishments, nobody else is going to. But in the Christian life, Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. I came seeking to serve others. He says that if your pride, it's going to come right before the fall. But those who are humble, those who are lowly, those are the ones that are going to be exalted. This is a counter-cultural message. You don't have to be the best at everything. If you want to be first, be last. If you want to be exalted, serve others. If you want to go to a table, you take the lowest spot, not the highest spot. All of the Christian message is about not seeking ourselves, but seeking to serve others. In humility, we seek to serve others. Not looking out for our own interest only but also for the interest of others so let's be honest here it's real easy for me to look out for my interest i wake up every morning looking out for my interest you know how i know that because the first thing i get every morning is a cup of coffee is there anybody out there with me all right straight black no cream extra caffeine that's what i want I think as Aaron Cook says, it's the bean in the Bible, right? You got to get the bean and you got to get the Bible. And that's, that's me too. I, I want my coffee while I'm in the Word. No Bible, no breakfast. But I didn't have my coffee in the Word. Every morning, because I know how sinful my heart is, and I know my interest of caffeine to get me started is important for my life. I look out for my interest. It's natural. I need the word to tell me to look out for everybody else's interest as well. So how do we have an expression of unity when the gospel's first? We think about these shared experiences. We have a core purpose that's first. And if the gospel's first, and as I'm thinking about the gospel, then when I'm humble, I'm exhibiting the characteristics of my Savior. I am pleasing the King. I am pleasing the one that I will stand before one day and judge me. And so as I'm pleasing the King by being humble and looking out, seeking to serve others, looking out for others' interests, then that creates a unity amongst the body because I'm looking out for your good and you're looking out for my good and we're all looking out for each other's good. And that attitude that doesn't come natural, that attitude that is against my sinful nature, but that biblical gospel centered attitude creates a community that loves one another well for Jesus Christ's sake. That's how we have unity. So we keep the main thing, the main thing. It's also how we have joy. I've shown you this slide before. Chapter one, it's all about that mind. It's all about that main purpose. It's all about the gospel. It's all about Jesus. He's starting to shift here and he's saying, consider others before yourself. It's all about others. And then we come last and that's how we have joy. If it's all about me and I don't get my way, I'm frustrated. If I don't get my way, I get angry. If I don't get my way and think about the selfishness, The devil, one of the top creations, said, no, I want to be God. I want to have something I can't have. And now he's God's enemy. Adam and Eve in the garden said, oh, I want to be like God, something they can't have. They had all of creation. It was all very good. And they wanted something they couldn't have, selfishness, and it destroyed what was good. Jesus had it. And he said, no, I want to come and be in the a man in the form of a man and be a servant so that I can give life to others and consider others. When we consider others first, we're like Jesus. When we consider ourselves first, we're like the devil. We're like the sinful nature. So we consider others first. All right, how do we apply this? I've already hit a few of these. How do we have unity of purpose? How do we have unity on campus? How do we have an attitude or a mindset or a thinking that unifies us? even in the midst of these hard things, and these are not trivial things. Different views on masks. Yeah, I can't believe them. I'm going to say something to them. You know, there are over 21 another passages in scripture that talk about how we love one another, how we bear one another's burdens, how we care for one another, how we encourage one another, how we edify one another. Never in those one another passages does it tell us that we have to correct somebody's views on masks or political opinions or other things. Unity of purpose. It's all about the gospel. So somebody put you in quarantine, and now you're shaming them. You're canceling them in this cancel culture that we have. I can't believe you caused me to be in quarantine. I'm done with you. You were careless. You, you no longer exist to me. Who's the center of that attitude? Me and the fact that I had to go do something I didn't want to do. So if the gospel is now the center of my attitude, if the gospel is the main thing, and I'm keeping the main thing the main thing, I'm going to reach out in love and unity because this is a brother or sister in Christ that probably feels just as bad, if not worse, than you want them to feel over the fact that they were part of that. So how do we have unity? Keep the main thing the main thing. Our political opinions. Let's just be honest. Our political system is an absolute disaster right now. It is a mess. I, I don't really care what you think about politics right now. If we can learn anything else about it right now, we can understand that politics is not the answer for America or any other place in the world. The gospel is the only answer. So we are going to be far the gospel, we're going to be far a biblical worldview. We're not going to let that divide us. Different emphasis on racial or social issues. You start talking about race, you start talking about critical race theory, all of a sudden you're woke, or you 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 start getting criticized from one side or the other. You can't say it correctly and even have an intelligent conversation without being attacked from both sides. You start talking about abuse, you start talking about any number of touchy issues in our culture right now, and everybody's up in arms on one side or the other, wanting to divide. And what we need to say is no, 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 no. We're about the gospel. The gospel is first. We love God with all of our heart heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that means we should love others as ourselves. That means without selfish ambition and conceit, but in humility, we look out for their interest. We consider them more significant than ourselves. So we can have conversations in humility. We don't have all the answers. We will never have all the answers. We can have these conversations, but they're secondary to the gospel. It's all about the gospel. And we got to remember that what unites us is far greater than what divides us. So Cedarville, here's my challenge to all of us, including myself, as we go through the remaining, what is it, six weeks of the semester, let's keep the main thing the main thing. What's the main thing? The gospel. We have shared experiences. We have a common purpose. So let's exhibit the characteristics of unity, humility and concern for others. All to the glory of God. Dear Lord, this is hard for us. This is hard for me. Lord, we are we are hardwired incorrectly to think about ourselves first. We are self-centered. We are selfish by nature. So God help us to remember that. Help us to think about it when it pops up in our lives. Help us to put to death the deeds of the flesh through the power of your spirit. It's the only way. Through your spirit and your word. Lord, so that we can live in a way that is glorifying to you, unifying to us, and for the gospel of Jesus Christ is the main thing. We ask this in your name. Amen. And you are dismissed.